Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello, what a beautiful Thursday, and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. I'm joined, as always, by G. Hey Wiley, Armani Buckets, and Brandon Deutsch. How are we doing on this beautiful Thursday? Well, you know, the gangster has to come in um, for this particular segment, Mr. Nick Hamilton. I'm so happy that you're here. That's right. Um, it wouldn't be Thursday without Nick. And you know what? Because we do have Nick and there's a lot going on. Let's just skip the pleasantries. Let's get to today's headlines right now. Well, the Edmonton Oilers pummeled the Los Angeles Kings six to nothing, six to nil on Wednesday to even their first round playoff series through two games. Oilers goalie Mike Smith bounced back with a perfect 30 save night after making the fatal puck handling mistake that led to Edmonton's four to three loss in game one. It's just one game guys, but does this blowout loss make you reconsider your belief in the Kings? You know, I still think the Kings are going to find a way to win this series, but six to nothing. I mean, the only reason that I have a little bit of confidence here, Nick, is that they've been in this position before this season. I've actually been to some games where they've lost 6-0. to zero. So I think that they could put this in their rearview mirror going into Friday's Game 3, but you never want to get blown out 6 to nothing. Come on now. Yeah, that was an ass-kicking of epic proportion. Uh, that's something that you definitely don't want to experience, especially on the road in the playoffs. But as you mentioned earlier, Raj, they did lose a big-time game like that. I believe it was against the Boston Bruins during the regular season. Yeah. I believe it was like 7 to nothing or something, something to that degree. So, I mean, they, they've experienced that. I think they will regroup, but they've got to do a better job, you know, at on, at the goal. They've got to do a better job, um, you know, uh, when they come to those opportunities, especially on the power play opportunities, because they had a couple of power plays in the first in the first period that they didn't capitalize on. Those some of the things that they're going to have to clean up and make sure when they get those power play opportunities in the third, in, in game three, I should say, they're going to have to make sure they score and score often because this Edmonton team is not going away anytime soon. They're tenacious. They're going to attack the goal and they're going to make sure that they're going to get their, they're going to have golden opportunities to score. So the Kings have got to come with their A game. Um, I would like to see Cal Peterson at goal instead of Jonathan Quick. Yeah. Um, maybe that may be an adjustment. Uh, you know, for game three, we'll see. But I think he may be more serviceable than, than Jonathan Quick. I mean, I think that the young kids also did not help because it was Edmonton was really, really good about switching their lineup and um, putting um, changing changing it up so that, that way the veterans basically were on when those kids were 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 on as well at the same time those that didn't have as much experience and I mean it kind of showed I mean I I had hope until like the the beginning of the third and then I kind of just lost hope after that Um, I kind of turned the television off to be honest with you sorry Kings um, and Kings fans out there but I I think this was a good this was a good life lesson for a lot of those kids Uh, and, and this is also what we said initially you know if if they end up winning and going past the first round, I'll be I'll be ecstatic because they only have what like three or four. I mean, it would it would suck for Dustin Brown 
the, this no, thing exactly. is last year, but it would be nice if, you know, moving forward, like uh, this is a good learning tool for them, I think. No doubt about it. And that's, you know, and I, I agree with you, Nick, and it's sad to say, because I want Quick to have a very good postseason. I kind of like that this group's together. At least that core group is together for one more run. But whenever the Kings have gotten blown out like this, 6 nothing, 5-1, something along those lines, it's because of Quick. And, and so, uh, you know, we'll see how they do. Game three, very excited for the first uh, Los Angeles Kings home playoff game in three years but uh yeah you don't want to get get blown out i'm not gonna you know get too crazy and say that they can't win this series but yeah six to nothing that's that's that can't happen yeah nick are you going to the game i should be there on friday uh <laughs> hopefully it'll be a much better game <laughs> um in, in addition to Dustin brown retiring i think jonathan quick should follow him out the door so. oh <laughs> I mean, he's he's done pretty flipping well considering you know what what they've what they've gone through. They had no? a great, yeah, he had a great run. He had a good run. He had a good run. That's all I gotta say. Yeah, he had, he a, good had run. a good run, but he's been ridiculously inconsistent yeah. this season. It, his age is catching up with him. It's, just, it's not to say that he's a bad goalie. It's just the fact that his age is catching up with him, and he's not as sharp as he once was. And so you got a young kid like Cal Peterson who's actually getting an opportunity to really you know showcase his skill set as well. Um, I think it's time to put the kids in. I think it's time, like yeah. as you mentioned earlier, GA, it's time to let the kids showcase what they have. Yeah. At least in those situations. Because I turned the TV off after the second period. I'm like, okay, mm. so good night, nurse. Cancel Chris. Wow, you went a little <laughs> early on me, man. Um, well, Bam Adebayo scored 23 points. Jimmy Butler had 22 points and 12 assists. And the Miami Heat beat the 76ers. Shocker. 119 to 103 on Wednesday night to take a 2 to nothing lead in the Eastern Conference semifinals. Joel Embiid could come back for Game 3 in Philly. But will it be a little too... Um, Will it be like too little too late? Yeah. Do you think that this series is over, guys? I think this series is over. It won't be a sweep. And by the way, Joel could come back, potentially come back. He's not been cleared to come back. So this idea that all of a sudden the, uh, you know, the uh, the uh, flip is, you're, you're going to switch a flip or whatever. Anyway, that's not going to change things. I think the, might, the Heat are the superior team here. I do think the Sixers win one game and then they close out the series in game five. Wait, ladies and gentlemen, do y'all hear that? <laughs> the fat lady singing, it's over. That's right. I don't care if Joel Embiid, I don't care who comes who comes in there. First of all, Joel Embiid is not going to be 100% or even 90% for that matter. So it does, it's, I, don't, I think rushing Joel Embiid back before it's too soon can be very costly for the Philadelphia 76ers and the key for our future for Doc Rivers. Um, the Miami Heat are on a roll. I think if you're the Miami Heat, you try to close this thing out because you figure the Celtics and the Bucks are going to at least go six or seven games. You get some rest. You're able to retool and, and get your focus back for the Eastern Conference Finals, whoever you may have to face, whether it be the Celtics or Giannis and the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, so I think this year you, you put this team away as soon as you can, get back to South Beach, and get ready for the Eastern Conference Finals. I know I'm probably in the minority on this extremely, but I, I don't think Philly's done. Embiid, obviously, he hasn't even been been ruled in for Game 3, so it all relies on him being healthy. But, I mean, Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris are playing about as well as they can play. You add in an MVP caliber player in Joel Embiid, forget James Harden. The James Harden thing is done. He's washed up. I'm not relying on him at all. But with those three, and then hopefully they adjust and put Harden in the third spot and move Tyrese up to the second spot, 
Now I think the Sixers have a legitimate shot. If Danny Green could hit a jump shot, yesterday's game could have been close as well. He was one oh, for nine, girl. one for 10. <laughs> the Miami Heat are a very good team, but they also have injuries as well. Missing Kyle Lowry has not impacted them yet, but I do think that that's a big loss. If they played a team with a little bit more talent, I think it would show up. Yeah, I, 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 you are a glutton for punishment. <laughs> yeah, I you don't learn. <laughs> I disagree with that. Um, I personally think that the Miami Heat will win this. I agree with Arash in five games. Embiid coming back, if he comes back in game three, will be a huge game changer. They'll be able to defend the pick and roll better. I can tell you that. They were just exposed with Jimmy Butler pick and roll assists and getting to the hoop and Tyler Hero shots. They were exposed in that second game. Obviously, it'll be a little bit different in Philadelphia. We'll see what happens. They got to win game three, though. Yeah, no, I I mean, you know what Philly has that no other team has right now? And this is the reason why they will not win. They got Doc Rivers. Oh, and he is terrible at adjustments. That is just That's a the fact. Reason. <laughs> that is just a fact. I'm dropping the mic. That's all I have to say. That's a wow. fact. I don't care if you get Joel Embiid back. Like, I mean, it will, it will be a factor in them not getting swept. But wow, drop a clue bomb on that one. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just saying. There we speaking, go. Speaking from, speaking from experience, y'all. Um, okay, well, speaking of former Clippers, Chris Paul had 28 points, including 14 in the fourth quarter to lead the Phoenix Suns over the Dallas Mavericks. 129 to 109 for a 2 to 0 lead in the Western Conference semifinals. Paul, who turns 37 on Friday, led the Suns to their 11th straight win against the Mavericks, counting regular season games, guys. This series seemed like a bad matchup for Dallas. Could we be looking at a sweep for Phoenix? Break out the brooms, as my friend Nick Hamilton would say. This this series is a sweep. And when you look at it, 11 straight. So it's not just that they've had two good games. A bad matchup. This was a blowout. Uh, listen, again, you, you always think maybe the home team can win game three when they're down 2-0. It's just a bad matchup, and the Suns are the superior team, and the point guard doing point guard things right now. Chris Paul playing extremely well. The Suns have been the best team in the league this entire season. In my view, I do think it's a sweep, and they will have uh, plenty of time to prepare for the Western Conference Finals. 80% in the fourth quarter is what the Phoenix Suns shot. That's which crazy. Is a rec- which is a record bet, something that has not happened. The only other team that shot better than that were the, two- the 2013 uh, Golden State Warriors in the second round where they shot at just above 85% in the fourth quarter. This team is dominant. This team, and I'm talking about the Phoenix Suns with Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and I think you wrap this thing up. I do think you sweep them. You let Devin Booker get some more rest, and you get ready for the, the Western Conference Finals in the Valley of the Sun, whether that be the Memphis Grizzlies or the Golden State Warriors. You will have a, a healthier Devin Booker, which you're going to need because that is going to be a very grueling seven-game series, especially if you have to face the Golden State Warriors uh, in the Western Conference Finals. Yeah. Yeah, am I the minority here? I think Dallas wins one or two games still. I know Phoenix has the best offensive rating in the playoffs. <laughs> I mean, I, they have the best. You're, you're right, Nick. 85%, a, a crazy statistic. If you look further into the advanced metrics in the playoffs, they're 121.4 offensive rating. I know it's a bit misleading since it's through eight games. Their EFG, effective field goal percentage, through eight games is also 60%. True shooting percentage, 63%. Number one by far. They've been dominant. Even in that Pelican series, their offense was dominant. But I, I, Luka Magic, man, get him a game or two. He will, especially <laughs> Brady, in Dallas. Have you been, have you been drinking what Armand's been drinking this morning? <laughs> <laughs> I was until you did that. Yeah. I hear well that Luka Dodgers, 
the fans have figured out what Luka Doncic is about. He's going to be here. But nobody's been able to step up because there's no 1A or 1B to Luka Doncic on that squad. There's not even a 1C on that squad. There's a 2, possibly, and maybe a 3. Until they pair Luka Doncic up with another star or rising star on that team that can carry the load, the Dallas Mavericks will continue to fans into the win like they've been doing. And this is a sweep. You can book it. Okay, I'm actually going to agree with them, Nick. I think they get one. I'm not saying that they're going to win the whole thing. I just think that they get one. And I think that that's what they're what they're what they're talk, talking about. I'm, I'm assuming, guys. Yeah, just yeah, like one. Brunson, Brunson and Dinwiddie aren't going to continue to shoot 20, 30% from the floor. Mm-hmm. I, I personally think they're going to get better, and that's going to lead to Luka, stress taking off of Luka, and they're going to get one or two games. Well... The Lakers. We had to. We couldn't not do yeah, a show without a Lakers without talking about the Lakers. Um, Lakers are looking for a new head coach, and they're reportedly leaning on advice from Phil Jackson, who is consulting the team on its search to replace former head coach Frank Vogel. Jackson was also consulted during the search that led to Vogel's hiring, according to reports. Do you guys see any problems with Phil Jackson helping decide the team's future coach? I don't have a problem here because I would much rather lean on the advice of Phil. Jackson. Jackson, then Kurt Rambis, and Kurt is a big part of this de- 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 of this decision. So, no issue there. I mean, look at his track record. Look at what Phil Jackson has done in his career. So, no problem with that. I will say this: fascinated by the executives and how decisions are made with the Lakers. Genie Bus obviously used to go out with Phil Jackson, not going out with Phil Jackson, but Phil Jackson still playing a role with this team. It is. Crazy to me. But again, look at Phil's track record. Greatest head coach of all time, in my view. So no problem there. This sounds like a soap opera gone bad. Yep. I mean, <laughs> this is just ultimately ridiculous. Like I've said time and time again, they, the Lakers are going to pick somebody who they can control. If they can control them under the brass, that's who they're going to pick. It's not going to be the, may not be the best hire, may not be the big name hire, but they're going to pick the person that they can control. Ultimately, the problem is the Bus family needs to sell the Lakers. That is the problem. The Lakers need new ownership, which will which will cause the Lakers franchise to potentially be better than what they currently are. It's time for the for the Bus family to sell the team. Period. This goes beyond just basketball on the floor. This is an upper management issue. I don't know if the general public forgot Phil Jackson's time with the Knicks. The last last time he was in charge of hiring a coach, he hired Derek Fisher, he fires Derek Fisher, promotes Kurt Rambis, and then after he promotes Kurt Rambis, then he hires Jeff Hornacek. That's three swings and absolute misses. And now, for some reason, Jeannie Buss is like, yeah, you know what? Let's give him the right to choose our next head coach. I don't even know if Phil Jackson watches basketball in Montana or Idaho or wherever he is at. I think he's spending all all his time doing peyote and whatever else, but listen, his head coaching resume speaks for itself, but you need somebody that's in the know in the current state of the NBA, and I don't think Phil is that guy. I mean, I totally agree there. (laughs) <laughs> those those assistant coaches that they're interviewing right now, Ham from the Bucks and uh, Griffin from the um, Raptors, those are guys LeBron can control. You're absolutely right, Nick. They're not going to go for the big swing and you know big swing higher because they can't control guys that have already are already established. 
Yeah, this is, this is, I'm fascinated by what coach takes this job to, because generally speaking, you would want to be the head coach of the Lakers, LeBron James, but what they did to Frank Vogel in the coaching circles, so many coaches don't want a thing to do with this job right now. I mean, with that being said, I think that that, that being the Lakers coach now has kind of lost its allure it's interesting, yeah. solely because of that, yeah. right? Like, you know, and on top of it, you'd have to be LeBron's person. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. But, you know, they're, they're, you're going to have to bow down at least for one extra year um, yeah. to Mr. King LeBron James. Well, guys... I skip. I can't find the outline right now. Um, I will, so, I will so. read this. Uh, Brooklyn Nets swingman Ben Simmons will require will require th three to months, three to four months of rehab after undergoing back surgery Thursday, but is expected to make a full recovery in time before next season. Simmons is just 25 years old, but hasn't played in a full year. Do you think he can reclaim the role, the form he had before? this whole and i don't it's not just the back it's the whole mental issue it's i mean nick can ben simmons once again be a superstar i didn't think he was a superstar before <laughs> this yeah why in the hell would i think he's gonna be a superstar after back surgery where's he going to germany he gets the fusion treatment if that's the case then sure i think i still think he's a rising star i still think ben simmons is, is a very skillful player especially defensively but here's the thing. The thing that trips me, I was talking about an ass-backwards organization, the <laughs> Brooklyn Nets. Why in the world would you sit up there and potentially tease the fan base and tease the rest of the NBA saying that there's a possibility that Ben Simmons could return, knowing full well this guy's got to have back surgery because you've done a full diagnostic on what he has to, what he has, to have mm. as far as his body is concerned because you took on that contract. So to me, I think it was reckless of the Brooklyn Nets organization people put this out and it put more pressure on Ben Simmons. So those of us in the media sit up there and criticize Ben Simmons. And now we have to kind of take a half a step back and saying, well, damn, maybe Ben was right. Maybe Ben really did have back issues. It wasn't just mental, but it was physical as well. So I think I think the Brooklyn Nets did a huge disservice to Ben Simmons moving forward. And suddenly now he has to dig out of that hole uh, when it comes to the fan base and the rest of the NBA. Can he do it or not do it? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, guys, it all comes down to money. They wanted yeah. butts in the seats and they wanted to sell tickets and they wanted to sell merch. They wanted to sell even for that short period of time for the playoffs. I I, and I, I agree with you, Nick. I think that they did a disservice to the fans. I think they did a disservice to, um, to the media. I think they did a disservice all the way around to Ben Simmons. And I 100% agree with you. Ben Simmons is not a star, in my personal opinion. I think that he just, he needs help. He I don't, I don't know what kind of help. Figure it out. Maybe you know do a, do some kind of treatment in Europe but he needs he needs some kind of help well a story in the athletic and the Lakers might be better off keeping Russell Westbrook and running things back for one more year with LeBron James oh. and Anthony Davis <laughs> I know it's not ideal man I know you're not liking it but as opposed to mortgaging the future by packaging Westbrook in a deal with two first round picks and possibly 21 year old Taylor Horton Tucker in order to add a third star who may or may not be a better fit do you agree and I no Nick's answer to this. Nick, we'll just I just want to anyway. hear you. Forget what I think, because you know what I think. I want to hear what Nick Hamilton has to say. This is a failure. Yeah. <laughs> the same dude that wore a skirt to the Met Gala. That's right. That makes me think he's going to improve with basketball. This guy's a. This is a failure. They refuse to accept failure. It's like, oh, we 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 burnt the toast, so we're going to continue to, to to make the same type of toast. No, you burnt the toast. It's <laughs> over. Throw it away. 
I don't understand. This is mind-boggling to me. This team and this organization continues to want to struggle and hustle backwards. I don't understand it. This is ridiculous to me. Get rid of this dude. The fans don't want him here. The fans don't support him here. And you can't, how in the hell are you going to sell fans about, oh, we're going to bring Russell Westbrook back one more year because they were healthy. You know, everybody wasn't healthy. What the hell with that? It's over. It's a failed experiment. Accept it and move on. Doesn't make sense for the Lakers to keep Russell Westbrook and the and street clothes and LeBron all on the same team. Like that's going to magically do something in the Western Conference. It's not. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Nick. And this is a topic we're going to have to touch on some more tomorrow, next week, because at some point the Lakers do have to move on. Is that okay if that means you got to package two first-round picks and some players? But, Nick, you're the best. We will talk to you next week. Let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we will be joined by Solomon Hughes, the breakout star of our favorite show, Winning Time, when we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California and the fan in Las Vegas. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. We are so lucky now to be joined by Solomon Hughes. Sunday night is destination viewing winning time. It was such a forgettable season for the Lakers, but uh, <laughs> like all the Laker fans are enjoying a rebirth of showtime because of this show. Solomon, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. So this is a fascinating story for you because you played ball when you were at Cal. You're from Carson. You're, you grew up, I think, maybe not with the Showtime Lakers, but Magic and Kareem. How did you get this role? Because and I'm not just saying this because you're on the show. You've been the breakout star. I mean, it feels like we are watching Kareem. How did this come to be? Oh, well, well thank you so much for your kind words. You know, I... Uh, I heard about the fact that they were casting for Kareem in 2019, the summer of 2019. And the way I found out was a former college uh, teammate of mine who lives in the, in the Netherlands, Francisco Elson, also played with the Spurs and won an NBA championship. Um, they reached out to him about his uh, about him auditioning, but he wasn't interested. And so he suggested me. And, um, and so... Essentially, I did the self tape, but I but I, I shared it with a friend of mine who also played basketball at Cal, and who's been an actor for about twenty years. And when he saw my self tape, he was like, "I think you, re- I think you might be able to get this job." Wow! And then he and I worked together, and uh, I sent the self tape in. Got called back for a second audition in LA, and uh, that audition was in front of Adam McKay, Kevin Messick, Max Bornstein, Frenzy Meisler. So you know the whole crew was there, and it was. It was it was uh, it was wild. I mean, it, they they put me through it. It was very rigorous. Um, uh, but I found out a week later that I got the part, and and essentially, you know, the rest is history. What was the process like in terms of knowing who you were playing? I mean, Kareem is such a polarizing figure. Again, one of the greatest players of all time, but off the court may not be the kindest. I mean, like, again, this this is from people who played with him, seen him. 
What went into figuring out how to play a man who so many people, you know, knew him like as a player, but the man, you have to play him the man. Sure, you know, I think, and that's the beauty of this project, right? Is it's, it's, it's going beyond just the one dimension of their, of their incredible basketball physicality, their basketball skills, right? And so, you know, I think, you know, I grew up in Southern California, really enamored with the Lakers and, and Kareem's uh, autobiography, uh, Giant Steps is one of the first big books that I read as a kid. And so I've always definitely had a respect and a fascination with him just because, you know, I, I played a similar position. Um, and, um, and then also, you know, just his intellectual interest and in who he is beyond the court, who he has been as a social activist, et cetera. And so I think, you know, taking into consideration all of the various pieces of his life, um, I think, uh, I, you know, I, I guess it, to answer your question, I think what what I was most excited about with this role was that it was in fact going to go beyond the one dimension and really mm -hmm. approach, you know, some of his backstory and uh, and 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 his complexities. You know, I, there there are a number of uh, stories about different interactions that people have had with him. You know, obviously some good, some bad. And he, you know, he talks a lot about. He's he's very open about just how shy he is and how yeah. uh, withdrawn he may be in public because he gets so much attention and he's been getting so much attention since he was you know, a 16 year old kid in New York that had an immense amount of promise as a basketball player. So, yeah, so that, that's, yeah, I, this is what I love about the show is is the, the depth and the layers that it really tries to unpack and unfold. Your thoughts, I mean, I think generally speaking, most people, if they see someone playing them, um, are not gonna think it's realistic. There's a lot of people who've been portrayed on this show who are saying, it's fiction. A lot of research, you included, have gone into doing the best job you can to bring out the character, to bring out the man. Your thoughts on sort of pushback, Kareem has been one, but so many people who were like around that team have kind of said, sure. you know, your, your thoughts on that. Sure, sure. You know, I, 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 I try to imagine what it would be like to have someone you know, not only write a book about you, because there's the Jeff Perlman book, Showtime, sure. right? But then a TV series, right? It just, it just seems so surreal. Like I can only, I, I, I literally, I can't imagine what no. it would be like. Um, and so uh, I, you know, I, I, I think what I'm excited about with this show is that it's not just 60 minutes, right? Yeah. It's, 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 it's now, now we have two seasons, right? So it's, you really are getting uh, to see a much more expanded uh, tell, and I and and so my you know my hope is that for the people who are having issues with it, that they really give the full series a chance yeah. um, because I think you know you know you've you've heard some people say well you know I, I watched the pilot I couldn't get past the pilot, you know that you know I, I okay but, but so my my thing is like you know if you're only watching ten percent of a of a of, of an entire series. Um, I would just hope that people would just give it a little bit more of a chance um, because because at the end of the day, it's coming from writers and producers and crew and cast who really have a lot of respect and, and, and appreciation for how these individuals literally change the way we view sports. Solomon, thank you so much for joining us. I was shocked when I learned that this was your first experience with acting. What was that like picking up acting and how difficult was that for you? Not only picking it up, but obviously taking on such a massive role as, as Kareem. Well, you know, so I've 
I've had an interest in acting for a very long time. I mean, I, you know, as a kid, my siblings and I, we would put on plays for our parents. But, you know, when I when I was in junior high school and high school, I was pretty talented at basketball, and that really kind of became my thing. Um, but right after I graduated from college, I actually moved back down to LA, and and I and I went and met with a talent agent, and um, and I, I I got one audition for. Uh, an Advil commercial, but it's something that I've kind of kept my eye on for a number of years. But but all that to, all that said, this level obviously an HBO show, and then working with the likes of Adam McKay, Rodney Barnes, Max Bornstein, Jim Hectic, etc. You know, it really it's it, it, I, I keep using the word surreal because I think that that best captures it. Um, you know, it's it's I've said a number of times that one of the things that I really appreciated about. Uh, coming into this community and getting this first job is that the, everybody was just wonderful and professional and welcoming and loving and and very generous with regard to how much they talked about their journey as actors. And so um, there were a number of people from the crew who would say to me, you know, Solomon, I know this is your first job, but you could not have asked for a better first situation. These people are really good. They're going to take care of you and they're going to put out a good show. And I definitely felt that every single day. Hey, Solomon, this is Brandon Deutsch here. Um, big fan of your portrayal of Kareem on uh, Winning Time. I just had a question because Kareem has been um, prominent on Substack for the last two years. And, you know, like Arash was saying uh, earlier in this show, there have been some um, critics and most people love the show. Kareem has obviously been outspoken because he's portrayed in the show. Has he reached out to you personally about the great job you've done in this show no, or has he just no, reached no. out to the people who run the show? Yeah. And I haven't heard anything from Kareem, I, but his Substack, I, I'm, I'm one of the readers of his Substack. So, you know, obviously as someone who, you know, I, I, I find him very interesting, but no, I haven't heard anything from Kareem and, you know, who knows what'll happen with time. Um, you know, I, his, you know, I really, I respect people's right to have an opinion and, um, and, 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 and like I said before, it, it's, 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 I can't imagine what it would be like, and so um, you know, my, I feel like what I what I know in my heart, and I know in getting to know the people who help kind of create the show, is that really like there's just so much admiration for him and, and everything that he's done for so many people in this world. Joined by Dr. Solomon Hughes, I did not introduce you correctly. Bishop <laughs> Montgomery High School, class of 1997, local son. Um, tell me, what was your first? I mean, did you go? I'm sure. I'm hoping. Did you go to the forum back in the day? What is? What is? What do you remember about being a basketball fan here? Sure, we could not afford afford forum tickets, but we <laughs> definitely watched on TV. Yeah, um, I, the first NBA game I ever went to was a Clippers game. And I okay, playing the Bucks. Yeah. That's right, <laughs> yeah, Clips. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but you know what I remember? Some of my earliest memories. We weren't really, we didn't watch it a lot of TV growing up in my family, but but my dad would make some exceptions for Lakers games. And and I always tell people what I remember, and like one of my first memories is seeing this court and this 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 arena that just was alive with so much energy. And you know, the court is almost golden, right? So it just, it was like these incredible athletes that were dancing on this like golden dance floor. And it was just the coolest thing. And you know, and it was it was wild because when I when I started learning that there were other NBA teams in, in other cities, I was like, but how can you not be a fan of this? This is such an incredible, you know, this is an incredible franchise and it's, there's so much fun, so much energy. And obviously with Magic Johnson. Um, and so, so yeah, my earliest memories are just, really kind of just being blown away just by aesthetically how it showed up on TV. 
How has this changed, you know, what your plans were? Because, again, th this show has been such a hit. You've done such a great job, I'm sure. And I don't know if you could talk about it, if you've gotten calls about doing stuff. I mean, will you now focus on this as a new career? Where does the future lie? Again, it's been picked up for season two. But, you know, right. do you want to do more of this? You know, I, I, I love acting. I it's It is, when I think of the things that I've done professionally, this has been the most challenging and the most rewarding. Um, I, I just, I love, I mean, there's a, there's a healing power within acting, right? You're embodying other things. You're, you're, you're getting proximate. You're, you're developing empathy for other people's experiences. And, you know, I, I love all of those things. And I'm someone who, whose personal life has been deeply impacted by what I've seen on stage or on film, on TV. And so, so I, I, you know, I'm, I'm taking it one day at a time, really, honestly, I'm taking it one day at a time. I'm very thrilled that we get a second season. And, and um, but, but this has been an incredible and rewarding space and, and I've loved every second of it. It's, it's, been, it's, been, it's been rigorous for sure. There's no doubt about that. I mean, it is, you know, filming and doing the basketball. It was a grind for sure, but, uh, but just incredibly rewarding. And I'm, and, I'm, and I'm open and looking forward to more opportunities. Solomon, it's great to see you again, by the way. Um, obviously huge fan. Um, already talked to you a, a few times prior to uh, you being on the show. But um, you just mentioned influence, like acting influenced you and uh, shows have influenced you, movies have influenced you. What is your biggest and hugest acting or actor um, influence? You know, wow, that's, there, there are so, I feel like there are a lot of people who have really just you know it, it's wild because wood harris right you know when i when i growing up wood harris playing julius campbell in the room of the titans you know i watched that film when i was in college and i really think that it changed the culture of our basketball team and i i i really believe that it had an impact on just the success that we began to have as players you know watching the pianist with adrian brody that's one of the films that i went out to make sure other people watched you know i just finished viola davis memoir and you know, she's my favorite actor for sure. And her, her story is just so incredible. It's so compelling. And, and I love that she, you know, she talks a lot about this idea of rejecting societal notions of what you should look like as an actor or as an artist. And so I just, you know, I am such an enormous fan of hers. I hope everybody reads her book. I think it's incredible. Um, and, and, and again, as a, as, a, as, a, as a new actor, it was just very empowering to read. Are you are you watching First Lady? I know this has nothing to do with, um, and I don't want to like blow up the the other network. But no, are you I, watching First Lady because it's amazing? I, She's doing a great job. I just started. I just, uh, I just started. You're gonna love it. You're gonna love it. Um, uh, last question on my part. Um, what did you do? Uh, you told me this uh, off uh, camera and off uh, sh show, but you had to drop some weight, man, because you know yes. basketball now versus basketball then. Two totally separate body builds. What did you have to do in order to get to that 1980s Kareem weight? So, I mean, up to that, I really had started lifting heavy, um, like in my late 30s. And um, and so really just kind of really dropping the workout routine where it was really heavy, bulky lifts and working more on just kind of leaning out and toning. Um, and um, and actually, I mean, the, the, I feel like my, my back and my knees thanked me for it. Um, yeah dropping all that extra weight. And so, um, yeah, really just working on, I mean, really working on the flexibility. Obviously it was doing yoga, which was incredibly rewarding. 
Um, and um, and just the, the conditioning, that was a big part of it, right? I, that's something that I kind of stepped away from having not played in a long time, but really kind of getting back into conditioning and, and, and focusing more on um, thinking more like a marathon runner versus a sprinter, I think. Salvin, we've had so much fun watching this show. If you can kind of uh, take us behind the scenes. I mean, what was it like to shoot these scenes? It is so cool to see. I mean, it really looks like we're watching a documentary. That's why people, you know, some of these younger fans get confused because it's like, wait, is that real footage? Is this real? What was it like to shoot it? Was it a tight-knit group? I mean, I mean, talk about what yeah. it was like. It was, uh, man, it it was an every day was an adventure honestly every day was an adventure because when you think about just the, the the makeup the costumes the set design i mean the, the every detail was paid attention to yeah. the cars we drove uh so it i always felt like when i was stepping on the set i was literally stepping into the 1980s right yeah and that was fascinating for me i was born in 79 so i, I mean yeah. i remember the 80s sure but it felt like i was like being transported in a time machine back to this other era. Uh, but it was, yeah, it was, it was special. Special is the word I'll use because the people were amazing and the environment was just, was, was gorgeous and, and, and really uh, tailored to kind of create and help tell the story. But yeah, I, I you know, I, as I said earlier, I just really am just grateful for just how generous and loving and welcoming everybody was. You know, Tracy Letts, his, the first day that uh, uh, we worked with him when we were doing the training camp scene, he uh, wrote on one of the whiteboards in the waiting room. Um, I think it's a, a Samuel Beckett quote, uh, fail harder. I mean, I'm, I'm butchering the quote, but it's essentially about, you know, not being afraid of failure. And I just, it was, it was just such a beautiful moment. And I really think it set the tone for that morning. And then the work that we eventually did together, which was just, just put yourself out there. And just, you know, it's, it, Max Bornstein described it as, we're all doing a trust fall because the cast are trusting the the the, film, the 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 camera people and the directors and the directors and the camera people are trusting the editors and the music etc. And so every day was a was a trust fall that just um, you, I think you got more eager with time to just really just just fling yourself backwards into the arms of everybody everybody around you. Do you know what season two will look like? Again, this this team that we're seeing on the path towards winning their first championship goes on to d dominate for the next ten years. Uh, do you have an idea? Like, what what does season two look like? You know, I don't know, but I, you know, my my, but if you know the book, Jeff Perlman's book, it really does a great job of kind of chronicling each year. Yeah. And so I don't know, I don't know what season two, two looks like. But the thing about it is, there's, and just as as you guys have seen, just in this one season, there are so many things that people did not know. There's oh, so yeah. much history impact, right? And so. I'm really, really excited for uh, for season two and the things that we don't know because there were things that I thought I knew, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, Spencer Haywood's story. Yeah. So Spencer Haywood is actually he's my cousin's godfather. And so oh my god. I knew about Spencer Haywood, but there were so many things I did not know about his incredible backstory and all of the things that he had to navigate, and just you know his his his, his taking the NBA to the Supreme Court, right? I mean, like literally, he is uh, the, he. There is, uh, I've, I've talked to a number of people who, after seeing this, are like, wow, I want to learn more about him because his story yeah. is so instrumental, right? It's so, I mean, there is no LeBron, there is no Kobe. There's th th Those stories don't exist without Hayward walking that road that he walked. And so, um, you know, his story is, his memoir, again, incredible. Highly recommend that people read it because it's, it is, it's a powerful life lived. 
there's been so many moments and it's probably hard for you to pick one was there a highlight and by the way you you just made a great point like there was so many things in this first season that like that i can't believe are real in terms of you know tarkanian vegas jack mckinney bicycle accident pat riley i mean was there a highlight for you so far huh you know um there's so many. Yeah. There's so many. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, there, there was a moment that was pretty surreal for me. So my grandfather uh, uh, passed away, I think, in, 80, in 88. And uh, we filmed uh, a scene where we're in the waiting room where Jack McKinney yeah. is, right? And that hospital, that's... So we show up on set, we're on location, and we walk in. And I'm like, man, this place seems like eerily familiar. I'm not really sure why... And I'm like, I, I kind of do this Google search and I call my grandma and I'm like, grandma, this is, I, I feel like I, we're filming at this location. Are you, have you ever been at this hospital or whatever? And she's like, that's where your grandfather passed away. Oh my God. And uh. the last time I was in that hospital was when I was, I guess I was like eight years old, eight or nine years old. And and so that was just, it was, it was such a, it, you talk about being transport, transported back to the eighties. I was yeah. like, wow, this is, you know, so that, you know, that was more of a personal moment, not necessarily like a connection to like production, but, uh, but it was it was a surreal experience for sure. Um, but then and then beyond that, in terms of just um, highlights, um, man, you know, I there's just been so many. Honestly. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's like picking your favorite child, right? It's, it's really <laughs> no, because again, you touched on it. You've like I feel like I know the story of the Lakers, the Showtime Lakers, and you're watching this and you're like. Wow, that's how Jack McKinney got hurt and didn't take over. You know, it was just, it's been so much fun to watch. It's been, it's, it gives us something to do. Um, Peach and every Sunday. Solomon, thank you so much for your time. We have had so much fun watching this show. So thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. And thank you guys for watching. Yeah, thank you so much, Solomon. Awesome. That's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hustle for the cash so it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing. Currency chasing worldwide through the hard times. Worrying faces. Shed tears as we bury brothers close to heart. What was a friend now a ghost in the dark. Hard part about it. Brother got smoked by a fiend. Trying to floss on a blind to a broken man. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.